The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody! And I was made to love you. Uh, Excuse me. What? (laughs) You know? What? I changed uh, the words to Okay, cool. I thought maybe this was just a classic case of <laughs> you thinking the words to a very popular, very well-known song were something completely no, different than what they actually are. It was me, a uh, surprise being the natural talent that I am and taking oh, a God. popular song and a title of this episode and combining them so you could hear the dulcet dulcet tones of my okay. vocal cords. hello before we get into today's episode a few things uh, besides my uh, singing um i want to repeat at the top of this episode because i know um many of you listen to the mailbag but just in case you missed it uh we are pornography hot hot pornography yeah i mean if you didn't right if you didn't listen for any other reason you should listen for that reason um but we have a a pretty jam-packed schedule coming up here and um most of you we know are familiar with the series buffy the vampire slayer but some of you we also know are watching for the first time with us and so we want to as always be careful with spoilers but we also want to be really careful with your hearts and your minds as we move through the next few episodes, uh, the arc that begins at the end of today's episode. So today we'll have a fun jaunt, uh, but the the arc that begins at the end of today's episode and runs through uh, episode 17, season five, forever, uh, we'll have a focus on loss and grief. And these themes, even though they're really hard, will probably help us come together in really powerful ways but it might not be the time in your life uh, where you want to go on that journey. So do what feels best for you. And if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, if you have any thoughts, you can always send them our way at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. And I will uh, personally be paying special attention to the email inbox over the next few weeks. Guess what else? There's some stuff that's going to happen. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. On Saturday, May 16th. At 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, <laughs> we will be group watching Buffy season three, episode 21 and 22, Graduation Day, parts one and two, together Woo! on Instagram Live. That and I'll funny. tell you what else. That's not all. <laughs> the following Saturday, 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 May 23rd. Really a new thing with you. <laughs> uh, just trying to spice it up, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, Saturday, May 23rd, I will be conducting another Xena Warrior Princess hang for our patrons at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Not exactly sure what the precise shape of the Xena hang is going to be. Uh, last last hang Probably was Probably Amazonian is, is the shape, I would imagine. Okay. 
<laughs> the last thing was just me desperately trying to recap uh, every episode from season one. <laughs> this one's going to be a little more focused, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, details to come uh, before the actual date. Yes, and uh, that's a, a Patreon party and we have a bunch of stuff happening in patreon as you likely already know i have a new podcast with joanna robinson that is only available to the patrons uh over at buffering's patreon and also joanna's storm podcast patreon it's called feels like the first time we are about to get uh really deep into thunderdome and fury road so that's what's wow. next we're doing some mad max next we've done alien indiana jones and lord of the rings I watch movies that, shockingly, I have never seen before. It's really fun. I'm having a great time with it. Um, and episodes go up all the time, whenever we feel like it. There's not even a schedule. It's crazy. Um, I also am running, still running, a book club. We uh, just finished Gideon the Ninth, and we are uh, onwards to two new books for May. We're reading Wilder Girls first, uh, and the, the book club for that will be May 9th, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and after that, we're going to be reading uh, a book that I have never read called Tipping the Velvet, which is just a classic queer uh, book that I am so excited to get into as well. So uh, all that coming up. Uh, Jenny, what do you have to say about that? Like, does it is there like a word that begins with a W, uh, ends with a W? Well, <laughs> wouldn't we all wonder whether I might want <laughs> to say a word that starts with W? Mm. Like, for instance, mm. just off the top of my head. Wow. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Uh, I could not be more thrilled, oh my gosh, to tell you, oh my gosh, that we have a very beautiful new edition of our wow, excuse me, my wow, 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 wow pin slash Kristen's mom, 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 mom <laughs> pin. Uh, up in the shop, we had gotten this special edition made for prom, but of course prom is not happening right now. So we made them available in our store right now. Uh, for you, should you be wishing to ally yourself with me yes. or Kristen or me, depending yeah. on which or, way you, you know, the pin. like I, every other day, you can flip the pin around and and ally True. with a different person. So <laughs> yes, uh, as always, uh, bufferingthevampireslayer.com/slash/shop, uh, or just click on shop and you will find. Oh my gosh! Yes, if you tilt the pin to the right vertically, it'll it could say. E-O-E. And then if you flip it around the other way, it could say Bob. Okay. So basically, no matter how you wear this pin, mm -hmm. you're lying with someone. <laughs> I don't know who E-O-E is, but <laughs> sounds cool. Okay. okay. Somebody get your shepherd's crook and pull her off stage. Uh, okay. We have we have jingles and you probably know this about us. We have jingles. And, and as I was editing today's episode, I was like, wow, there are a lot of jingles in this episode. And we have not told people where they can get jingles in a long time. So just so you know, most of our jingles are in at least one, if not many places. Um, and all of that is uh, consolidated into one jingle page on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. And you just uh, go to the, the listen section or slash jingles and you will find all of that information. Jenny, I have some spooky news. It's the first time that we're getting some spooky news that is not a retelling of the a death of old man Seaver. are you ready i'm and i can't stress this enough so ready for some not that i didn't enjoy old man Seaver, but 
Mm-hmm. I feel like it's been a while since I've been spooked by something you didn't write when you were 11. I, I agree. I agree. I'm ready to get back into it. And also, if you find spooky news that you want to hear read in this little tiny segment we do at the start of the episodes, email us, bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. I love to get spooky news submissions from you sometimes. Sometimes I'm very upset by them, but that's the point. Ha! Let's get into it. Okay, Jenny, this story comes from our listener, Kamina. Uh, Kamina, I'm hoping I'm saying your name right. And it is an Australian story. The headline of the story from ABC Australia is rats were the first curators at Sydney's museum, Hyde Park Barracks. Um, I'm listening. Yeah. And you know, like, I actually don't find this to be as spooky as I do adorable, but maybe I've just like watched Ratatouille too many times. I've never seen Ratatouille. Yes. Oh my God. Ratatouille rocks. (laughs) Ratatouille will change how you feel about rats if you don't feel good about them. I mean, honestly, even the trailer has. So uh, these rats, these are some old rats. These are like years and years ago rats, they basically went underneath the floorboards of this museum and they hoarded scraps in their rat nests. And then, you know, rats die like any any other animal or life being. And so these rats died, right? And in 1979, they discovered that basically these rats had preserved all of these incredible archaeological artifacts underneath the floorboards. They had been undisturbed for up to 160 years. Oh um, my God. Yeah. And the, and like the materials contained objects that don't usually survive uh, in an archaeological deposit, uh, scraps of convict uniform, pieces from women's clothing, pages from prayer books, just like really cool shit. Um, and so to take this, I mean, I guess this is not spooky except for rats, you know, um, but uh-huh. I just loved it so much. And so what I love, too, and I guess this gets a little spooky, is that in this museum, the story of the rats is now going to be integrated into a new exhibition experience where there's a challenge uh, to locate 14 mummified rat carcasses that will be displayed across three stories of the museum. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> and on your interactive audio tour, um, you will hear in the background of the recording what sounds like rats scurrying in the walls. Jenny, last thing before we get into today's episode about the spooky news story is that the sound of the rats scurrying were done by a sound designer based in San Francisco who actually recorded his daughter's pet rat. So oh, hell yeah. This spooky news has something for everybody. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, what a great bit of news. Yeah, yeah. And and you know this this story goes out to Amy, still a rat. Uh that has been your spooky news. <laughs> Speaking of uh, things that haunt you for who knows how long, it's time for the Sexual Attention Awards. Great job, Jenny. Ooh, who is who is up for the win? I, I would love to know. Tell us. Tell us the well, result. Uh, with a very disappointing 19% of the vote in fourth place, <laughs> it's Harmony, Spike, and Charlize Theron. Oh my God! As somebody who just finished watching uh, uh, Prometheus, that's even more disappointing to me than it would have mm. been uh, mm-hmm. uh, before watching it. But uh, but you know, nineteen percent is not a poor showing. I have to say. 
It's all right. Um, and everybody's pretty close. Everybody's in the ballpark here. In yeah. third place, jo- Joyce and Giles take 25% of the vote. All right. Okay. Good job. Good job to, Spike to Joyles. Spike and Drew in se- second place take 26% of the vote. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then in first place, just barely nosing out ahead, it's Spike and role play harmony with 30% of the vote wow. first place. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Uh, so that's exciting. And also, um, I will say that that is, it's very exciting to me that the votes were that evenly split. We don't get that often. So what a great. No, no. What a great. I mean, you crush, usually let us know pretty clearly who you don't like. Yeah. But I like that Crush had a had a split. So great work, Amazing. everyone. Trophies in the mail. Yeah. All right, Jenny. Um. Are you ready to get into, I was made to love you? Help. Help. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I am away. Let's go. And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast, podcast, where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. I can't keep up with that energy. I am, though, in fact, Kristen Russo. Uh, this week, we are talking about Buffy. Buffy! Just kidding. <laughs> Season 5, episode 15, I Was Made to Love You. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by Jenny, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. And if you have not yet started listening to our Angel podcast, Angel on Top, Hosted by Brittany Ashley and Laura Zach. What mm. in the holy hell are you doing? Yeah, I mean, speaking of angels, you know. No, I do know what you mean. You do. Angels, I know. They're mm. so great. Um, <laughs> I Was Made to Love You was written by Jane Espenson and directed by James A. Contner. Oh, beautiful. And originally team. aired on February 20th, 2001. Mm. Just giving you the time that you need to uh, possibly let us know. Uh, no comment. Great. No comment. Great. Um, this is the one, according to IMDb, where Buffy and her friends encounter an incredibly strong female robot with only one thing on its mind. Love. Oh. <laughs> got a little, got a little dra- dramatic, IMDb. Yeah. The hero of this episode is definitely April the Robot. Yeah, I mean, we'll get there, obviously, but the ending scene, April, woof, going in for it, all the feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also thought it was really interesting uh, in the IMDb description that it's th- that like it went out of its way to say female robot, but then also seemed to go out of its way to not use a pronoun and say thing on its mind. Um, I hadn't really thought about like the gender of a That's robot. That's weird, right? But you know, it's like obviously there's a lot of like she is a girl. There's a lot of, hey, why don't we just jump right into the jingle that I'm sure we'll play more than once in this episode because there's a hell of a lot of the patriarchy. (laughs) 
uh, in this episode, isn't there, Jenny? Uh, there's more than enough to go around. You know what I think it is? I think it's like when you think of a male robot, when you think of a, a robot you're projecting maleness onto, you're thinking of like a robot that like lifts like 400 pounds right. of uh, pallet weight in your warehouse or right, right. a robot that like chops down that tree and makes firewood for you real fast. Sure. But when you think of a girl robot, you think of what everybody thinks of all the way through this episode, which right. is that somebody made a sex bot. Totally. A hundred percent. And that is, we, we already played the jingle for you, but of course that is, that is why. Uh, I also just saw Alien for the first time, Jenny. And um, I have to say that now when I think of a robot, I think of the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life, which is when the uh, android dude Ash on that spaceship gets busted open and he's all milky. He's full of milk. Yeah. Um, So luckily April is not probably room temperature milk. Probably. Uh, Anti-gravity lukewarm milk. Thank you. No, thank you. Anyway, um, April is not full of milk, which I'm very thankful for. You know, what's weird. The like level of shock and disgust. I I don't know. I, Buffy is so shocked and so disgusted and everyone is so like unanimously shocked and disgusted. It's like, okay. About Spike make, having feelings about for her. Spike being into Buffy. Yes. And it's like, all right, everybody. Yes, Spike is a vampire. He has no soul. Sure. But he also like, sh- you know, helps out. He has definitely like shown people what is up with their friend, like helped all of these people uh, improve their relationships. Mm. You know, he's mm, well, yes, he's like no, no, in to be like, hey, you guys are idiots. Like this one of you is like having a problem with this. It's like obvious to me. Why can't any of you see it? I agree. I, I just no, like I agree with also. Uh, yeah, Spike's very hot. Yes. Totally. And couldn't, uh, couldn't everybody <laughs> just acknowledge that Spike is hot? Okay, so here's the thing, Jenny, is I think that, yes, you're right. When it comes to, like, Giles and the Scooby gang, sort of like, and none of them are as, they're not as upset as Buffy. And I think that's important to point out because of what I'm about to say. But um, I do think there's probably more room for them to be a little less, like, whatever. Like, he's been around. He's been in the Scooby gang for better or for worse for a long time. But... Where Buffy is concerned, especially in this episode, it is much more, and she says it directly, uh, something about me had to make him attracted to me. She's really putting it on her because she's wrestling. We saw the the previously on, right? And the previously on, I would like to call this the peak of the season. Crush uh, was the peak of the season because we, like the previously on here pulls from every single point in this season. We have learned that Dawn mm-hmm. is the key. Dawn has learned that Dawn is the key. Everyone knows that Dawn is the key. We know glory is a god. We know Ben is glory. Is glory Ben? Hmm. Ben is glory. Glory is Ben. Ben is glory. Glory is Ben. We know that Riley is gone. We know that Spike loves Buffy. It's like we have all these massive elements on the table. We're ready to go in. And and I think that, you know, Riley is is in the previous line because of the narrative that we'll get with the robot. But I also think that that's super in play with Buffy being so upset that Spike has fallen for her because also Riley has left her and she doesn't understand like what is wrong with her? It's it's very much surprising, I know, to everybody. But for Buffy, it's very much about like her and, and what she has done um, and who she is. So I think that that's why she's disgusted. Fine. <laughs> Big question I have. Why is Xander in this puffy suit apart from just that it's hysterically funny? 
I think that's the reason. Right? Because, uh, like, b- like, Buffy has a heavy bag. And it's not like Xander is, like, a, you know, a great warrior who's going to, like, spar with her. He's right, just he standing there to get pummeled. Right, right. So I think I would love, I mean, God, one day if somebody could compile all these, like, ridiculous questions that we have, I just, some of these things I would love to know, like, how did that come to be? How did it wind up that Nicholas Brendan got like sewn into? Because it's essentially like the seamstress on set was like, I'm going to make a suit for Xander, but it's, I'm going to use like gym mats for the for the, the mm-hmm. shirt and mm-hmm. pants. Um, so Xander, apart from being wrapped in a puffy Xander suit, is just he has some really incredible moments in this episode. And it starts here. Maybe I could change. You know, I could... I could work harder. I could spend less time slang. I could laugh at his jokes. I mean, men like that, right? The the joke laughing app? Or maybe you can just be Buffy. He'll see your amazing heart and he'll fall in love with you. Xander, that's... Oh. This is the day you choose to hug me. So, and Xander also says at the end of this, like, dialogue, you know, well, also, Buffy, like, maybe it's because we're on the Hellmouth. It's kind of hard to build anything on a Hellmouth. Yes. And this is so lovely. So lovely a moment that Xander had. I just, I realize Xander's really got me in this episode. Yeah. Okay. And he... So nice. Yeah, we like see, I think we see so much of um, the fact that somehow the healthiest relationship that we have in this television show right now is Xander's. Xander and Anya have this like incredibly balanced, um, mature communication lines. They, you know, Anya is, uh, you know, letting... Anya's very secure as we see throughout this episode. Right, because Xander's like talking about like women being hot and blah, blah, blah. And, And I think also like... This is a, a narrative that we see all the time, even today in television and in movies where like it's it seemed to be portrayed that like if you're in a relationship, you cannot voice that you find anyone else attractive because that will make the other person as jealous as Tara is when this happens with Willow. <laughs> and we see um, but we see how secure like Anya is and Xander is feeling good and like they just are in a great place. And I think that that is why Xander is starting to really be such a rock for Buffy um, and, and able to mm-hmm. like really help her so so that's i i'm very happy to see that and then at the espresso pump (laughs) a car pulls up and a girl we've never seen gets Mm. out she's wearing a little pink dress and uh the guy's like (laughs) this is funny because the guy's like are you sure you want me to drop you off here this place is kind of like what i know who is that guy like right (laughs) a who's how dare you yeah b are you saying the espresso pump is like trashy or seedy or dangerous or like sunnydale has heard about the mortality rates right right also like it's confusing why they even had her dropped off in a car i guess because they wanted to conceal the like robot nature of her for the first scene you know because otherwise i mean what we learn of april like she straight up would have just walked from the campus no matter how long or far to you know she was that's she's a robot she would have just walked she uh, would have, but also, like, look at her. She's, like, exactly the... She's the target market for dudes looking to give 
yes, uh, somebody a ride. That's true. That's true. And she would have totally taken a ride from, which is interesting too, because it means that she took a ride from this dude that she didn't know. And he didn't try a damn thing. Cause we know if he did, he would be not she alive. Kicked his ass. Yeah. She would have yeah. kicked his ass. Um, I want to talk about real quick, Jenny, cause you mentioned her dress and I find it really hilarious that you mentioned her dress and not her shoes because her shoes to me are like the way that you know that she is a robot designed by Warren, a dude. Like, no, I don't understand. It's there. They're like platforms, but it looks like she's going to fall off of them every step she takes. Like they are, they just are so impractical. They are not attractive shoes. And I just feel like they are exactly what Warren would have picked out for a girl. And if April was not a robot, she would have been like, fuck off, dude. I'm going to go over to Glory's house and pick myself out a nice pair of pumps. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Sorry. I have a huge fact that I learned when researching this episode, Jenny. I don't know if you found it, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm ready. Do you know who was cast to play this role before it was given to eventually Shonda Farr? Because Shonda Farr was not the original person slated to play the robot and I was made to love you. Can you give me one hint? No, oh, I mean, I can, but I don't. Okay. Um, Let's see. The hint I will give you is um, bikini. It's very hard to give you a hint because all of my hints are like dead giveaways. So that is probably too broad. But bikini. um, Yeah. Cindy Crawford. No. And I'll add one word to it. And I think adding one word to it might give it away. So bikini plus snake. Britney Spears? Britney Fucking Are you kidding me? Britney motherfucking Spears. I lost my shit. I lost it. Like my fuck like literally I'm still losing it. Like even you're the first person I've told. So <laughs> Dude, what? Britney Spears was cast to play this role and she pulled out of the role. I found this like little article where like Marty Noxon was talking about how like they were moving the episode to later in the season, but it was going to be fine. Like they were still keeping the role and they were going to recast it. Can you imagine a reality in which Britney Spears was the fucking robot? Oh my God. That is so disappointing yeah it is and it isn't it's like it is because i i really i, I mean i love britney spears i i was obsessed with britney but spears it, it but. probably would have just like made this episode about the fact that britney yes. spears was in it instead of being about like everything else that's exactly that's exactly why i'm not necessarily like i'm disappointed from like a pop culture standpoint but from like a integrity of the episode standpoint i am not because we because it's all we would be talking about is <laughs> Right. Uh, and and also, like, fun twist, Sean Defar, um was also in Crossroads. She played Kit's friend. So yes. uh, no big <laughs> that deal. That I did find. <laughs> I'm so glad that you didn't know. It's so fun to, like, reveal a thing like that live on the air. Wow. Yeah. So in another reality puts in a, Cleveland. a whole yeah. new spin on Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> I know when you were like, give me a clue. All I could think of was like all of the one line hits uh, that Brandy right. Spears has had. Um, That's a weird clue. For I Brandy know. Spears, I'm but sorry. With Snake, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. So what is this robot looking for? I mean, what is this lovely young girl looking for in Sunnydale? This dude who gave her a ride asks, why? True love. True love. And off she goes. And then it's the credits. And then we're back. And then Vava Joyce is my next note because. Yeah. Yeah, Joyce is like babing out. 
Joyce is wearing a dress that I think is like the exact perfect hybrid of what Dawn and Buffy say it is. It's like the perfect meld of mom and sexy to be just like over the top. Yes. Her nails are on point. Her lipstick matches her nails. Like she probably called up Faith in prison and asked for a couple pointers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they are, you know, having a good time with Joyce. They're making her spin around in the dress uh, a few times <laughs> because she's going on a date with Brian, who she met like a big art gallery nerd at her art gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Don suspects he may be a gigolo and <laughs> asks if his shirt was all shiny. Yes. I did some research into gigolos, um, believe it or not, uh, Jenny, because of this, because I, the first thing that I thought of when I heard the word gigolo was Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, um, because I think that probably it was the first time I had ever heard the word. Um, and that, mm. that movie came out in 99. So it is sort of like, perhaps, I don't know, maybe people were saying gigolo way more than I knew, but, um, that was the first time I had heard it. And so I don't know if that like brought the word back into like some of our younger minds, but I learned that the word, it comes from, uh, it was like gigolo and gigolette were dancers. Gigolo, in case you don't know, is uh, refers to basically a male escort, um, usually for an older woman. Uh, and I, I have a lot of feelings about this, most of which could probably be summed up by another patriarchy jingle, but we have to play it so many times that I'm not going to play it right here. But I just thought, hmm, isn't it funny that like there is a, a comic, they call it a sex comedy, Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo. It's like a funny romp hmm. about what's his face? playing this male gigolo and I thought well that's funny right it's you can make a really funny ha 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 movie about this dude who's a male escort but like that you don't ever see that flipped on its head and don't even try to pretty woman me because that is not a sex comedy that's very there's a lot of serious shit in that and I just feel like um you know there's some patriarchy in there when it comes to like how we look at a male escort versus how we look at a female escort uh slash you know sex workers of different genders so that's all. I'm glad that you brought up Pretty Woman, Kristen, because it might interest you to be made aware that there was a huge film called American Gigolo that came out in 1980 starring Richard Gere oh. as a male escort. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. I don't know how popular the word gigolo was in, in terms of escortism before that movie. Mm, but interesting. I mean the word gigolo has been around for for a very long time because it's it's like etymology etymology? No, that's bugs. What do you call it with words? No, no, etymology. <laughs> it is words. Okay. En- what's bugs? Entomology. Entomology. Is bugs, okay. Right? <laughs> um I know the word has been around for a long time. I just I you know I think maybe like films, media, obviously these things like bring it into more um public consciousness than they would have been otherwise. So, um, Jenny, Tara and Anya are hanging out and I fucking love it. The whole reason this scene exists is really just so we can see them see April, right? Right, right, right. But love, love seeing, um, Xander's girlfriend and Willow's girlfriend hanging out together Mm -hmm. just talking about what they talk about, which is Anya's, uh, financial growth. Yeah, Anya is like really encouraging Tara to get into online trading. Tara, Tara is is so upset because when she goes on the internet, she realizes how horrible everyone is at spelling. If that is not a Uh relatable mood, Tara, that is fair. Also, fucking Anya is like, I tripled my money, giving us a great money, money, money from Tara. Um, And she says to Tara that she wants to buy something like large with her earnings, like an antelope 
<laughs> the greatest sign of luxury in 2001 was having your own antelope, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not a lot of people realize this. <laughs> well, now you know. Uh, also, Anya has set up the um, website for the magic box, and she wants everyone to know that it is a large photo of herself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, that gif that you see of Anya all the time where she's like counting her money actually was sourced by Anya herself. She made it for right. the backdrop of the Magic Box of website. Of course. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we see April. Uh, Shonda Farr, by the way, is fantastic. She's fantastic in this episode as this robot where like you just feel... I don't know. I, I shouldn't speak for all of you, um, but I feel so sad for her from the very beginning, even when she's like throwing people across the room. She does a great job of having that like singular mission of finding Warren. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> this is great. It was a great commentary, Jenny. I was really deep. I love her. Nuance. I want her to be happy. I know. I want her to be happy too. Um, but it is not to be. It is not. So we go to the party. It's a spring break themed party. And uh, there is the biggest oyster shell that has ever been oyster shelled in the world at this party. It's like full of punch. Um, And I'm both pleased with it and uh, so upset by a thing of punch that big. That's just a vessel of germs. Just want to say. It's not an oyster um, shell. It's a clamshell. Okay. Uh, I think because um, because it has right. the, it's white and it has the big, deep, dramatic ridges. Yes, it has like the little wiggly ridges. You're right. You're right. I don't, and I wanted it to be an oyster shell. I don't know why, but you're right. It's, mm. a clam- it's not even a clamshell. A clamshell doesn't have those ridges. I have uh, I, I have had Google many image a- search clamshell. And not all clamshells, but some clamshells. Some clamshells. Because my clamshells have always had, you know what? I'm, I got to go. <laughs> uh, hmm. So um, we already talked about Anya. It's actually, sorry, it's a giant clamshell. Okay. So, so giant clams have that kind of shell and they are fucking enormous. Okay. So it would you wouldn't eat that kind of a clam. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. <laughs> Okay, well, if you know if a giant clam is edible, please email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Uh, we'll Have you or someone you love ever eaten a giant clam? Please call us at one eight six six. So we talked about Anya uh, already. This is, a, you know, Xander's dancing with Buffy, and Anya's like, I let him do that. <laughs> I, totally, I totally told him that he could do that. So waiting for I'm my- expecting a big karmic reward any second now. <laughs> There are so many people at this party with sunglasses on. They are playing limbo. This is like a really great spring break party that they are throwing wherever they are. Buffy looks amazing, I want to say. And um, Ben is at the party. I have a lot of questions about Ben and Glory. Ben is Glory, Glory is Ben. Ben is Glory, Glory is Ben. In case you forget, I'll say it again. Ben is Glory and Glory is Ben. Okay, so... Ben and Buffy, right? They're they're sort of like fl- flirting with the idea of dating. They are they are literally flirting, and they are flirting with the idea of going on a date, having coffee, etc. And I I just like it opened up sort of a Pandora's box of questions for me in terms of wh- how does Ben hold down a job? How would what would happen if Ben and Buffy got together and they were like making out, and then and then Ben and Gore like what I just. 
It doesn't seem like there's also, any... Also, how long have they been sharing a body? Right. Because... Like, did he used to have a normal life? And, like... she only recently got kicked out of that joint. Right. But he talks all the time about how this always happens with her. So it mm. seems like they have always shared a body. But why would he have even a job? And because it, it was like, you know, if Glory was like, I get Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you get Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, we split Sundays, you know, then like, then at least he could, you know, work around that, make sure that he plans his date for the days he knows he's going to be Ben. But he doesn't know. And so I just, it seems crazy risky to me that he is not only living a life working in a medical establishment, but also that he's like considering dating. It just seems like a one night stand might be the most that Ben should shoot for here because <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, it's not up to Ben that he has to share his body with a god. Yeah, uh, but he knows that she. If he wants to look for love, I don't know. The He's... heart wants what the heart wants. Uh, that is what Selena Gomez says. But is that what Selena Gomez says? Uh, I think Selena Gomez says the heart wants what it wants. Yeah. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like Ben perhaps is putting others at risk, both patients at the hospital and Buffy, by pretending as though he is just a normal boy. He is not a normal boy. He shares his body with a very destructive god. So, uh, you know, think on it, chew on it, do with it what you will. But that is what I was wrestling with while I was watching. This Speaking episode. of chewing on it, Anya has discovered <laughs> Chex Mix and says... That's craftsmanship. This is a, <laughs> a really great episode. It is. For Anya. Jane, 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 Jane. Um, that girl in the pink dress shows up at this party. Okay, everybody's at this party. Ben's at this party. Spike's at this party. The girl in the pink dress is at this party. How does everybody know about this party? Well, I guess the pink girl's just wandering around. Spike probably followed Buffy here. Mm -hmm. But what's Ben doing here? But, yeah, right. Ben doesn't even go to college. What is he doing yeah. here? Great question. Mm. Great question. But every but this is the hottest club in town. It has clamshells. It has limbo. It has vampires. It has chess mix. It has robots. Okay. So um, there's this amazing, I love the comedy of, you know, Anya basically being like, she speaks with a strange evenness and selects her words too precisely. And Xander being like, some of us like that in our women. It's very nice. cute and very funny. And then like Anya's all proud of herself because she makes the connection and just good shit. And then um, guess who else is at this party? Did you already say that Warren is at this party? No, I didn't mention Warren. Warren is here. Warren, um, a former Sunnydale High School student uh, and maker of April, as we'll find out later, is here at this party uh, with his current girlfriend who he treats like a piece of shit stuck to the bottom of his shoe that he left in the back of his fucking closet, Katrina. Warren sucks. Bless this actor for being so amazing at being the worst person you've ever seen. He is. He is just like that guy. Like if they were like, you know, in the casting room, they were like, okay, what, who are we looking for to play Warren? And they were like, you know that guy? And they were like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that guy. <laughs> boy, did they find him. You know, here's the second play of the patriarchy jingle because we have just met Warren. So please, without further ado. The patriarchy. Okay, so Spike walks in. If looks could stake, he says, which I love. Oh. Jenny, 
God. It's too much. Buffy, the last time we saw these two, Buffy told him to get the fuck out of town and he was so hurt. But in true Spike form, he has like transformed his pain into like swat. Like he got his hair done again and he fucking greased uh-huh. up his leather jacket, strolled yep, in yep. with no cares he in says, the world. I believe that he says, if you want me to leave, you can put your hands on my hot, tight little body and make me. You are correct. As a matter of fact, Jenny, I had it written down to play the sound clip, but now that you have said it, I think that that will do it. And why don't we give Spike his jingle in honor of Jenny saying that line? Spike, I love you. Spike, so dreamy. Spike, you trench coat. Spike, I love you. Spike, you black man. Spike, peroxide. My hot, tight little body the addition of little is what really is such a choice <laughs> really is. such a choice <laughs> um okay so ben meanwhile is now back with buffy he gives her his number it's very cute he's like i'm gonna give you my number before you see me dance so like maybe we can get coffee spike is losing his shit i love the like buffy being like oh it's just that when i get coffee with people uh like terrible things all these terrible things happen and ben is like well i know we're risking a tragic chain reaction but i just really (laughs) want to get some coffee he's like little did you know that i have a history all my own um yeah and spike side-eyeing this from across the room is like i'll show her uh i see a girl in a pink dress uh what's up with her and she throws him through a window yeah so jenny so she says to spike i'm looking for my fella first of all um and then spike leans over to her and whispers in her ear do you have any guesses as to what spike whispers into april's ear that makes her throw him through that window not it's not fit for a family podcast Kristen. (laughs) i just like I don't know. I just wonder because we see her, you know, she she really gets to the throw people through a window thing pretty fast. So you just like I wondered if he had said something. It like, must have been very graphic. <laughs> also, Spike, work on your moves, man. Is that really working for you? I don't know. It just yeah. So Spike, uh, yeah. Spike goes through a window. Um, I can't. I, Buffy tap- loves it. Yeah, I'm taping this podcast now in a house with my family, so I can't even make any guesses. I'm, I'm just, I just have to lean yeah, yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Uh, no one but Warren can touch me, says April. And then she throws Buffy pretty hard. And this is the moment when April the robot um, becomes you know, like a heart, a bit heart wrenching because she, she hurts Buffy. And then she's like, so she feels so bad. And she says, I'm sorry. And I hope your boyfriend will take care of you. And we're all like, womp, womp. Her boyfriend's on a helicopter in the jungle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are like so many instances of people just like jamming salt into that particular wound in this episode. Yeah, totally. April is definitely the vehicle, the primary vehicle for that. And, um, Love like Xander being like, whoa, wow. Uh, let me do a little quick math here. This is a little, whew, some serious damage. Can you? Oh, <laughs> so serious uh, about the financial implications of Spike getting thrown through a window. And everyone is like, I think that uh, 
April's a robot. Oh yeah, definitely robot, robot, robot. Yeah. Robot. I love that. Like, it's like the season, it's like the nod to season five, like that we're in the fifth season. It's like, these, yeah, we don't need to even, yeah, of course she's a fucking yeah, robot. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Yeah. Do we even need to deal with it today? They're basically like, nah, we'll just deal with it tomorrow. Fucking robot, whatever. Um, also, Buffy has an incredible line in the start of this scene, which I don't want to miss, where she says, I've had it with super strong little women who aren't me. <laughs> Tight. Yeah, yeah, us too, Buffy. Right. It's really great. Um, so then we go to the Summer's house where Giles has been babysitting Dawn. And first of all, he's right. She's fucking 14. Why does she have a babysitter? Because I guess there's she's a the key. hell god right. on the loose. I forgot. Okay, good point. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> but uh, Giles is wrung out from all from eating all that cookie dough and talking about boys. Yeah, and he makes a comment about how, like, he listened to music. She made me listen to music that was, like, sung by people who are very good at dancing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seemed like perhaps a uh, dig at Britney Spears who had dropped out of this episode, just saying. Um, oh! Oh! No, I mean, I love Britney Spears, but you know. Uh, so, okay. Joyce then, just as things were getting so bad for Giles because he's had to listen to Dawn talk about boys all night long, Joyce rolls up from her date walking on air and he and, and she wants to talk about boys. Yes. Who wants to hear everything? And then he's like, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> uh, and it's good that he left because Joyce is Getting on about how she left her bra in the car? No, the restaurant? No, on the dessert cart? Oh my ah! god. Joyce is going for it. I like I think the combination of like her having a really great date and then walking in to see Giles, who she has slept with on the hood of a police car, is just like sure, really sure. making her imagination run wild and Buffy is like mortified and runs upstairs. <laughs> Uh, April, meanwhile, is like going door to door. It's like three oh in the my fucking God. morning. It's so sad. It's just fucking ugh. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. 
As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, so we go to the magic box, and I've been talking this season about Tara and, like, the, you know, they've, they've really been, like, showing us how, like, pr- proper Tara is. You know, she's she usually is very polite. She's very reserved, and they've been, like, really yeah. hammering that home. A couple episodes ago, maybe even last episode, Tara was wearing some eyeshadow, and right now we get a line from Tara where we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tara says well, she practically had genuine molded plastic stamped on her ass just trying a little spicy talk um so just want to know like what's going on behind the scenes with Tara you know like what's making her come out of her shell um but she's she's doing a great job <laughs> <laughs> so I love that we get Xander basically complimenting <laughs> Anya tries checks mix and she's like now that's craftsmanship and Xander sees a sex bot and he's like, now that's craftsmanship. <laughs> this is an amazing moment uh, with the women of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because it's like Tara, Willow, Buffy, is Dawn there too? Like, it's just like a lot of ladies around the table. And Xander's like, you know, a sex bot. Who doesn't want a sex bot? It's just there to please you and blah, blah, blah. And then he like looks and it just pans around like, that 70s show style around Yeah, the yeah, table. yeah. <laughs> and each one of them has their own brand of fuck you, yeah, dude. No on their takers. Page. Yeah. Also, I love that Giles is like, we have no idea what his motives are for building this thing. Giles. Think back to your Ripper days. <laughs> we I get- guess Giles has like always been able to get it. So oh wow to, um, wow Jenny wow never had to wish for a sex bot. Um, Oz gets a nice shout in this scene. We haven't heard of Oz. Yes. Uh, Oz is a name in a long time, and Xander's like, "Wish Oz would hear." He wouldn't say anything, but he would get it. <laughs> would he though? No, I don't think he would. Um, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think Oz is that kind of a dude. Um, um, 
Okay, and then we get Tara saying how sad it is that this guy couldn't find a nice normal person to like share a relationship with. And then we get this meaningful look on Buffy's face. And she's like, oh, fuck, I guess I better call Ben. (laughs) I guess I better try to find a nice normal person. Of course, Ben is busy transforming back into himself from uh, Glory. Wearing that um, red dress. Looking good, Ben. Really into Ben in that red dress. Uh, Fits him wonderfully. Metaphysics at play there. Um, Mm -hmm. So... I just want to like open up the larger can of um, metaphorical worms here because I went back and forth on, and I think perhaps the answer is that the the metaphor goes both ways with Buffy identifying with um, April, the robot, but also with like being afraid of some of Warren's reasonings and, and like his journey too. So before I even say any more, Jenny, do you have like, were you like, Oh no, this was obviously Buffy. Like this, this storyline was here to show us like Buffy lining up with April or did you feel like there were elements from both too? I felt like the strongest thing in the episode is like all about Buffy's sort of self-reflection and using you know, the idea of April or like the concept of April and Warren, like as a a window into like a new sort of like aspect or, or forcing Buffy to kind of like look at that mm-hmm. part of her life more closely. I guess what I mean to say is that there were moments and we'll get to these scenes, but there were moments where Warren is sort of saying like, I, I like made her to be all the things that I thought I would want. But then like she was just like she was too nice. She was too good. She was too all of these things. And so when Warren was saying those things, I was like, oh, man, this is like I wonder if she's reflecting on how she viewed Riley. Right? Like this, this guy that was like so, had all these things down on paper and like, why couldn't she get past that point? Um, but then the bigger metaphor I thought was landing with April, of course. I mean, I, I think that's the one that you're supposed to get. But I just. I don't know. I don't know. Jenny. But uh, no, I think I think that's like right on. I think it's like pretty major. Like I think it's like right there for you because when Warren is kind of like talking through that revelation of like, you know, thinking I w- I would have been in love with somebody who like was giving me everything that I like thought I wanted, right? But I just wasn't. You know, that's that's valid. That that's I mean that's a valid kind of like thing to look at the Buffy Riley relationship through. Right. And that's sure. Right. And then in this scene, like the thing, the reason I springboarded it over here from this scene is because, you know, she's, I think, identifying with the fear of being a Warren of like being somebody who couldn't find anyone who like needed to find a companion who needed to make a companion because he couldn't find one out there in the world. So um, we'll get deeper into the, the, the obvious like April Buffy parallel um as the episode goes on but i just wanted to like put a little pin in the fact that i do think that there's like a larger um introspection i think you said jenny or something like that going on for buffy where she's really seeing like the inner workings of this very messed up dynamic between warren and april and like yeah what is it showing her about like some of her own experiences yeah yeah Okay, so um, I would like to talk for a moment, if I may, about the fact that when we go to Glory's and Ben transforms back into Ben from Glory, um, there's some connection there. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I, I, you know, I just feel like there's something between Ben and Glory. We're at Glory's apartment. And it's the 
I believe it's the first time we see these really big paintings and we're going to see them again. So I'll probably get even more in depth in future discussions. But one of our listeners, Maggie, sent me an email way back in May of last year and was like, do not fucking miss this. And Maggie, I will not because of you. Um, these two paintings that we see on the wall, they're huge. Um, and they are done by a Polish-born art deco painter, uh, transplant to France and the U.S., whose name is, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong, Tamara Delempica. Uh, she had a 60-year-long career of painting stylized nudes and portraits of aristocrats interspersed with glamorous socializing in the mid-20th century. She married a baron after her first divorce and took many lovers before and after as a somewhat renowned bisexual. Uh, in spite of having access to, <laughs> like, friend of the pod, Gabby Dunn. <laughs> Wow, Will Gabby. Does Ga this is when we find out if Gabby is still listening to Buffering the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then Maggie just finished by saying, in spite of having access to wealth and social status her entire life, she lived fiercely independently and worked uh, and played hard to create the life she wanted for herself. So it's like, it feels like there's this very, very deep choice to put these paintings in Glory's apartment. Um, and I wanted to mm. share that because I just thought it was so cool. And I've been looking for them um, since I got this email. I've been like looking for them and we'll see them again more. Um, and Maggie sent me this amazing article. I'll put it up on social media um, done by Whedon Studies that talks more about Glory and these paintings um, and the choice of these paintings by this particular artist. So what do you got? Well, she's a Taurus. <laughs> Get out. Get out of my, you're fine. Well, I figured when she said that she, when you said that she like worked hard for like the, to have the kind of life that she wanted to have, mm -hmm. I was like, she's definitely either a Capricorn or a Taurus. Wow. Um, and the, here we are. I'm so proud cool, of you. I rock. Carry on. The all the queer uh, people in the universe are very proud of you right now, Jenny. Are they? Or are they like, Jenny, please shut up. Well, we're, we're an equal. We're listen to a podcast. <laughs> we're an equal mix. Um, okay. So. Um, hmm. Hell. So, <laughs> so Warren, this is where Warren treats Katrina the, the worst, maybe, in the episode. I don't know. There's so many bad moments. But he's basically like, go wait in the kitchen and shut up uh to her dude fuck you so bad dude he is such a fucking asshole uh and <laughs> there's this great comedic exchange where he's just like buffy there's something you couldn't possibly know i'm telling you there's you're gonna <laughs> your mind is gonna be blown she's a robot and she's like yeah dude fucking shut up <laughs> <laughs> Don, we go back to the magic box. Don gives us a great um, Ted throwback, which is really fun when you think about it, because like we know Ted from whatever the hell season it was. But we dude, yes, I love this. Right. Because we know that Dawn wasn't alive, but that she's been given the memories. And so that includes her like mom's boyfriend, Ted, the robot. Yeah, so awesome. Yeah. A great little tasty throwback to an episode <laughs> we'd all sooner forget. Yeah. The original robot. Also, do you remember who we had on the the episode, Ted? Shannon Woodward. Shannon Woodward course. from uh, Westworld, which was, that was just like one of the more fun guest overlaps that I think we ever did, where we were like, you robot, <laughs> you say, ding dong, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So yes, we're in the magic box and, oh, your favorite, the little match girl comes running in. 
Oh my god. Yeah, you know when um you're selling matches, but then your blanket, you accidentally set your own blanket on fire that you're using to cover yourself with your matches? Yes, the story of the little match girl. Um, a tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Spike is on fire. He has, I mean, Spike is great comedy Spike in several moments in this episode. He, he screams, fire, fire. V- very reminiscent of a bear. <laughs> a bear. Uh, <laughs> stomps out the fire. Uh, and then he... He begins what he thinks is going to be a nice, easy spike jaunt through. Uh, you all love me because I'm hot. I'm Spike. Like I, you and know, charming, and charming, charisma right. up the wazoo. And then we are not going to go any further, Jenny, without hearing together Giles be the hottest Giles of all time when he tells Spike where the fuck to stick it. I'm trying to explain. She might have said some things. That- that sounded like I expressed some kind of feeling. We are not your friends. We are not your way to Buffy. There is no way to Buffy. Clear out of here and spike this thing. Get over it. I don't know what you mean. Yes, you do. Move the hell on. Now we'll just give you all a brief moment to mop up. (laughs) Towel off. (laughs) Hot dad. Uh, When he was older, he was, I mean, younger, he was, whatever. You get it. Hot dad. When you were younger, you were real bad but now you're older you've got glasses that help you watch over us thank you giles daddy giles takes off his glasses to fucking (laughs) tell spike what's what yeah spike is like oh shit and he gets out of there not even dawn is glad to see him no because he he fucked up real bad yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Uh, you know what else is not great, Jenny? Is these fucking these tool bags. fucking goons. Oh my god! Fuck fucking ass wipes over at the espresso pump, being like, "Oh yeah, your friend Warren, and we just saw him. He's over there." Thunderclap, patriarchy. You get it. We could play it. We could have made this whole episode just one long patriarchy jingle. Uh, and then we get the, we've kind of talked a little bit about this conversation here. We go to Warren's and Buffy and Warren are having uh, as much of a heart to heart as they'll get here where he's saying, I really feel like everyone deserves to have someone. And she's not, you know, his, his argument, um, is she, which is interesting when we see the inside of April's like computing. Uh, but he's like, she's not a sex bot, right? She's a, she is my girl. Like I made her to be my girlfriend. She's not a toy. I made her to love me. Um, but it's a very, especially coming off of crush where we had like larger discussions of who can actually love what love does look like. Does Spike love Buffy or it like, is that even possible? Uh, and it's like, you know, Warren's idea of what love is, is also obviously extremely warped because there is 
it's not a, a two-way street in the least. It's entirely one way. Um, he's saying that he made this robot to love him, but what he really means is he made this robot to think that he is the best thing on earth and never, ever, ever have an opinion of her own. Um, yeah, not great. Not good, dude. Not good. Uh, not the best. And, you know, to, uh, to top it all off, he made this, he thought that that would be perfect. And of course it fucking wasn't because y- <sighs> the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Warren, Buffy is horrified by a lot of this as she should be, um, as most of us are. And we find out in this conversation that Warren not only left, like just wait for her fucking batteries to die, dude. Like just stick it out for a couple extra. Or just be like, Hey, I have to put you to sleep so I can fix some things. Right. And, and then like, don't power her back. Like, what are you? Something, anything. Don't just leave her. And so this is obviously very triggering for Buffy who has just been left. Um, also by her boyfriend oh my god this yeah this whole like Buffy Buffy's take like you didn't give her a chance to fix what was wrong Buffy she's still a robot Buffy (laughs) you're fighting too hard but Buffy and if you listen to our mailbag last episode uh, last week we had a a really amazing email talking kind of about this that like as much as we had a back and forth about Riley there was this huge glaring thing that you know Riley really didn't tell Buffy directly what he needed until the very end and it was very close to when he got on that helicopter and flew away she had very little time to like process and that's what she's processing here and she you know via April is she's just like I don't I don't understand how you could do that I don't understand how you didn't even you didn't even tell her um you just left her there you just left her all alone and like you know that that is fucked up and then there's this amazing line where she asks Warren if April is dangerous and he says like no I just made her to love and Buffy's like, then she's fucking dangerous. Probably the most dangerous. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. Hell hath no fury like a robot scorned because <laughs> April finds Katrina and she's like, have you seen Warren? And Katrina's like, fuck all you bitches. Warren's my boyfriend. First of all, the fact that anybody is fighting for Warren who hasn't been programmed to do so, it's like, mm. uh, and then April starts kind of a, mm, she grabs Katrina's arm and she's like, you have to stay here and and stop lying. Yeah. Like You have to tell the truth. And then she puts Katrina in a bear hug. I think we hear like a rib crack. Yeah, we do. Actually, if you had the closed captioning on, it would say ribs cracking. <laughs> Oh, my God. It is for sure a rib cracking. And can I tell you something? Please. Um, I just want you to know that my friend recently started uh, dating a cool guy who I like a lot. And I was chatting with him and he was like, oh, you have a Buffy podcast. I used to work for a transcription company that did all the closed captionings for Buffy. What? When? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I have some questions for you. Um, what's up with, I just watched an episode where the closed captioning says like tendons snapping (laughs) and he was like, yeah, when there's like sort of like sounds happening, that's like dealer's choice. Whoever is doing the closed captioning can like editorialize to their heart's content. Wow. That is like very fun. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you would want to know. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, Katrina's ribs snap, crack, pop, whatever you want to say. And we get this really quick cut to Spike's lair. And I love it so much because he is being such a drama. Like he has gone past Angel in drama in this scene. He like is throwing papers in the bin, but he's making it like 40 times as difficult as he needs to make it to get the like papers into the box. It's like a three, <laughs> it's literally like a three second cut, but it, it just like kills me. It's so funny. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We get even more patriarchy, a patriarchy frosting on a patriarchy cake when Buffy learns that Warren has programmed April so that if she does not answer him when he calls her, it hurts her. Um, uh, cool. cool, 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 cool. Also, I mentioned just a few moments ago that, that, you know, Warren is saying she was more than just a toy. She was more than just something to please me. She was in love with me. When we see the inside in this moment of her little machine head, the files are basically like fetish, 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 position, 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 sex, 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 sex. Like there's like three that have to do with anything that are not sex. So I just feel like, ah, uh, Warren, not sure, buddy. Yeah. Uh, we don't see any of her files on uh, making sweaters, but she apparently made five sweaters for him while she waited. Do you think in the parallel of Buffy to April, um, do you think that like Buffy has made any sweaters? And do you think that like she probably only made two and a half because her sweaters have to be like twice as big as the sweaters that April's making for Warren? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, so broad a shoulder span. It takes a lot to cover. Warren makes a horrible decision, but b- b- listening to Buffy, who's making horrible decisions because Buffy, as you said, is just like wrapped up in her own shit. And instead of being like, of course, I love you, April, let's go back to my house. I just have to fix a couple of things, uh, tells this robot, April, that he doesn't love her. And then now this is good. She fucking growls at Buffy and it's great, dude. And Buffy's like, you made her so she growls. <laughs> A um, fair get, question. Yeah, we get a good fight scene between April and Buffy. She like snaps the seesaw in half and uses the. Oh yeah, oh, it's great. It's great, 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 great stuff. Katrina and Warren just straight up leave. Like Katrina has every right to leave, but Warren is well, like, okay, but first, but first she sees like Buffy hits uh, April and like some circuitry becomes evident, and Katrina's like, that's a robot, and Warren's reflexive reaction is she wasn't just for sex, and then <laughs> Katrina's like. That's your ex-girlfriend? Katrina already was out of here. Also, just a side note, new playground. This is not Drew's playground. This is a brand new playground. (laughs) So Uh, April's about to win this whole damn thing. Yeah. Uh, But then her batteries finally start to die, just as she has Buffy by the throat. And then there's this like heartbreaking scene, which I always think is the last scene in the episode. And unfortunately for everyone, it is not. There's like four more scenes. There's so many more scenes. Um, But this scene is is really beautiful. Um, It's it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully written. It's beautifully acted. Uh, We see Buffy on one swing and April on the other. And April's sort of like slouched in this amazing like half dead robot position. Um, and she's asking Buffy, like, what she exists for. If she doesn't exist to love Warren, then why is she here? Yeah. 
she's saying like it's getting dark it's so sad um and like what if and Buffy now is like understanding like how to deal with April so that she doesn't have to be more scared than necessary um and she's just like you know what if he comes back what if Warren comes back and he can't find me in the dark because it's so dark and Buffy's like oh don't worry like I'll help him find you um and then she sort of has this fantasy I think about like what it could look like if you know Riley came back and and Buffy says to April um he'll come back and he'll tell you how sorry he is she says he told me how proud he was of you and how he didn't mean to hurt you uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah um. yeah um it's pretty gutting because it's you know, we talked about um, the episode where Riley flies off and then the episode after that, which, you know, I mean, that was a heart wrenching episode. But then they they used, I think, really a really good vehicle of comedy to like help us through. We get the Olaf, the troll episode. And so we haven't like we've seen little glimmers of Buffy mourning the loss of Riley. But it's, you know, as we've talked about already, like it's more than Riley. Right. It's it's sort of like what what who is she and why does she feel like she can't be loved um and so this this beautiful beautiful scene is us really getting to see the things that she wishes for and wants for and mourns not having and and sort of you know as she's saying it that she knows you know riley's not going to come back and he's not going to say these things to her and it's beautiful jane espenson standing ovation here good lord yeah what the fuck (laughs) um things are always darkest before i mean i think the last line there is probably the dawn but we don't we don't hear it and the camera big big pan up here big dolly camera situation the camera goes way way up uh and then we go to (laughs) the location in my xander's carpentry corner yeah i love hearing all about shimming uh, the window, if the opening is not level, but the window frame is. Yeah, I would Hell like yeah. a shirt that says the jam can be shimmed to be a square. <laughs> Hell, uh, You know, I've always said that. Um, <laughs> I think I might have been the first person to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think he originated, definitely. Buffy's talking about how April was like, devoting everything that she had to like making one person happy. And with him gone, there was no reason for her to exist anymore. And like, you know, she's saying this about April and clearly like thinking about her relationship. Mm. And then she's sort of like, okay, I need to get comfortable like being by myself. I need some like Buffy time. Yeah. And she calls Ben and leaves a message for him saying she's not ready for coffee and listening to Ben's answering machine is not Ben, but it's glory. (laughs) Who's like, what's Ben planning? What's Ben scheming? But most importantly, she turned us down. Hot, hot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to use that, that hot to segue us into the sexual tension award segment. But first, before we get there, I just want to have my moment with the wood jam scene. Um, Hell yeah. Because I, I do want to say that I am just in so much love with the line exchange between Xander and Buffy where Xander says, robots are the strangest people. And Buffy says, people are the strangest people. Uh, and I also yeah. wanted to say that I 
I've really got some serious becoming part two vibes from this exchange because, you know, Buffy saying I need to get comfortable being around me is really like, uh, it's like she's back in a place where she was when she caught that sword and she realized like she had her, she still had her, but this is a new understanding of what that looks like in a new place. She's older now. She's seen a lot of loss. She's, you know, moved through different relationships. And so she's coming to that place again. And I, I think that there's so much truth to that in, in our own lives and the way we live our lives that like, how many times in your life have you been like, you know, I really need to like sit with myself and like be with myself and figure out who I am. It doesn't happen mm -hmm. one time. Mm -hmm. It happens so many times as we learn new sides of ourselves, new versions of ourselves. And I think that it happens throughout your life, no matter how old you are. So um, I just think that that was really beautiful. And I wanted to talk about it. And now that I have, we can get sexy if you would like to. I would like to. Yes, welcome back to the coziest corner of our podcast. Well, it's the Sexual Tension Awards, of course. <laughs> the nominees for this episode for your consideration are as follows in the first slot. No pun intended. We've got Xander and April. He sure is into that robot. Oh, yeah. In the second slot, no pun intended, we've got Willow and April. She sure is into that robot. <laughs> In the third slot, you know, taking the concept of penetration to a whole new level is wow, Jenny. and Spike getting thrown through a window. Hell yeah. So that was a segue I did not see coming. Uh, so sorry. Uh, no pun intended. No puns ever intended during this segment of the Sexual Tension Awards. And last, a nomination that I fought for uh, because I think it is mystically uh, wondrous which is the threesome requiring only two bodies, but three beings, which is Buffy, Ben, and Glory. When will they change? One of them a god, one of them a slayer, one of them we assume a regular old mortal who's sort of the vessel of a god. Wow. Just think of what they could do together. Something for everyone. <laughs> So as you probably know by now, you just follow us on Twitter at BufferingCast. The poll goes up the day the episode goes up. It stays up for seven days. You vote. You choose. And then, hey, in just a handful of episodes, we'll be the end of season five, and we do the big vote off run by Emily McLongstreet. Emily, I hope you're ready out there. Wow. Okay. Two more things happen in this episode, and they are both regrettable. Yeah. So the first one is Spike rolls up to Warren's mom's house, I guess. Didn't realize it was his mom's house till the end. Uh, <laughs> and he <laughs> takes his dramatically filled box of Buffy sketches and photos and I think even the wig. And, he's and perhaps the sweater. Perhaps the sweater, yes. Uh, and he says, here are your specs. And Warren's like, no way, man. And Spike's like, yeah, way, man. And uh -huh, um, uh -huh. wow, guess yeah. we'll see what happens there. Uh, um, sh yikes and gross. And also, just I want to I want to shout out for me, it's historically been hard to separate the actor Adam Bush from the character of Warren, who is such a Steve. Mm -hmm. But 
I just want to like shout him out one more time because I feel like his performance of a total yeah. scumbag yeah. who's trying to not get a to get a girl to not hang up on him is so amazing. In this scene. <laughs> it's true. That's true. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he. I mean, he does. He gives an incredible performance. There's no question. Um, but I also have a difficult time with that separation. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, what if I told you, Kristen, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. What if I told you that Adam Bush and Amber Benson, who plays Tara, uh, dated for an extended period of time? Oh, that makes me soften towards Adam Bush, actually. That makes me feel yeah, it a helps little chip bit. Away, right? Yeah, it does. It does. So thank you. I did not know that. Okay, so Buffy comes home. Yes. Brian has sent flowers, um, which is very sweet. And Buffy makes a comment about, you know, some guys are still getting it right. And she calls for her mom and she makes a comment sort of about maybe I should pick up Dawn from school. Um, and then she turns around. And something's not right. Joyce is on the couch and something's not right. To be continued. Yes. Uh, to be continued, uh, we will be back next week and the week after with a, a double episode for season five, episode 16, The Body. Um, and we are going to go into a song now, Jenny, that you wrote about like Buffy and some robots, right? Definitely. Great. So happy to hear it. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to that song, I'll tell you that I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. When I'm not watching Buffy, I am writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can hear some of those songs there or on whatever digital platform you prefer for music listening. You can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. Uh, I also, you know, put out an EP in November called Night Shift that you can check out. And furthermore, you can listen to me talk about another petite blonde protagonist over on my other podcast, Veronica Mars Investigations. Hell yes, I am Kristen Russo. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also find me inside of our Patreon now doing a special podcast with Joanna Robinson called Feels Like the First Time, which is super fun and I'm having a blast. Uh, I also would like to tell you that that spelling can bring you to my website, kristennolene.com, where you can find out about the work that I do with queer community, work that I've been doing for near to a decade now at this point. Um, and yeah, what about us? What about us, Jenny? Well, Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can email us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 216-30-BUFFY. Hell yes. And you can support us if you'd like, over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. You can learn all about us on our website, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. From there, you can find the Patreon. From there, you can find our store. From there, you can find uh, any scheduling things that you have questions about. It is a website that is full of information for your ears. And with that, I believe we have finished season five, episode 15, Jenny. Wow. I guess it's time for me to say till next time. Ah,
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.